Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Swings here and he drives one deep in the center. Puig is racing back, still going back. He looks up, it's gone! Over the center field wall for Hunter Pence. Pence will touch them all and score them all. A grand slam for Hunter Pence. It's not easy when it's tough. That's when you find out what you're made of. You get so much Brisbee in your ears if you want it. If you want Brisbee, oh gosh, you get it. Anybody want coffee? I'm making coffee. Anybody want? Yes! 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 I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. You're listening to The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Episode 7 of The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby Show, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Hunter, how in the heck are you doing today? I'm doing very good, Grant. I'm happy to be here. What a what a week of baseball it's been. Man, so many exciting things always going on in the baseball season, but I feel like we're getting a good flow, and they're really settling in. They're really settling in, these divisions. Right, and that's the thing. We kind of came up with the idea we're going to talk about some surprising teams, and while I was doing research for it, I started looking at the standings, and a lot of it makes sense. It's not like you're looking at it and go, wow, what? where's this team coming from? And, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. Like, you, you go through the divisions, and there's a couple surprises, but at the same time, okay, the White Sox are in first place. You got the A's and the Astros battling it out. You've got, you know, the Cardinals and, and the Brewers, they're, they're battling it out. You've got a, a log jam at the top of the East in the NL. So a lot of it makes sense. So this is that part of the season when you start to really get a handle on what's going on. Yeah, things have kind of organized to like what you somewhat expected. I mean, obviously there are two pretty big uh, surprises with the Red Sox. Like, like we didn't give them as much credit last week, by the way, and they continue to play good where they're at right now. So the Red Sox are hitting. We didn't expect them to be the leaders in the East. No one was talking about much that they did. At least I didn't hear much about it in the offseason. You know, we were talking Yankees, Blue Jays. You know, Rays went to the World Series last year, but obviously they lost some pitching. So the San Francisco Giants getting bumped up to the number two power MLB power rankings with, I think they're like third in run differential. They're scoring a lot more runs than they're giving up. And that's like the, the key metric for success early on. You, you want to be looking at that. And you're right with the Red Sox and the Giants. I think something that ties them together is if you could have told someone in February, March, you said, okay, look, the Red Sox are going to get some pretty strong starting pitching. The Giants are going to get really strong starting pitching. Where do you think they'll be? And back then you would have said, oh, they're going to be doing great. You know what I mean? And so in that respect, you kind of expected them to hit a little bit. You know, you saw the names on the Red Sox where you have Bogarts, you've got Devers, you've got J.D. Martinez. The Giants did well in that that weird mutant season last year offensively. And if you give them good starting pitching, 
then it, it starts to become a lot more realistic. Like, oh yeah, okay, okay, I see how this is happening. And that, that's kind of what's going on there. I mean, I, I see how you can say that. And they had a great year last year. And last year, like, I like that you called it a mutant season because like, what happened to the Red Sox last year? And then now all of a sudden they're good. Because you always expect the Red Sox to be good until what happened last year. And then this bounce back is crazy. But everyone was talking Dodgers. Everyone was talking Padres. And obviously what's happening with the Dodgers is kind of weird. I haven't, you know, I don't really pay a, bu- a bunch of attention to them. But I, they keep coming up in like my, my main media news feed and like, People talking like they're this weird rants or something. I don't know what's going on over there. But it's safe to say it's a pretty big surprise what the Giants are doing. Now, another team that I – because I'm just so excited to talk about the flow of the week, Grant. Like I love watching it. That is kind of like overperforming and – well, I wouldn't say overperforming. This is a team we haven't talked about much, but I'm like side-eyeing them, and I'm enjoying the passion, and I'm enjoying the highlights that I'm getting from the Philadelphia Phillies. Look at them, 19-17 and 17 right now. They're, they're in the hunt over there in that East Division. The Mets, by the way, who we kind of were like, what's going on over there? They're pitching, and they've just been winning this whole week, and they've, they're 17-13, they're but the Phillies, I think, are they're doing some stuff and things. You know what I'm saying? They have been just on the cusp for years and years. It's, it's you know, they built, they had the whole teardown and they're building back up. They're making the trades, the win now trades for Real Muto. They're the win now signings with Bryce Harper. Like they've been trying to get to the summit and there's always just something weird that kind of kicks them down the mountain a little bit. There's always like bullpen weirdness, you know, just last year's bullpen was like a debacle that you can't expect again almost it was like a generational debacle like they just could not hold a lead in just a really surprising way this year the bullpen a little dicey but in that normal sort of you know hold on to your seat kind of way where it's not like you're just totally blowing every last save it's just a little dicey you've got little problem spots here and there at the same time it's a team led by Real Muto and Harper and there's just so much talent on that team yeah, there's definitely a lot of talent and real Muto, by the way, 938 OPS uh, as your catcher, really special stuff. There is a lot of talent, but they never really had it all together. And I just, I love Joe Girardi for them in a big way. I think uh, I always loved what he did with the with the Yankees. He's always just been stand up all the way around. And you know, the DD Gregorius, I think he's a pretty special player. I know he's not like going going off, but like I think it's like getting a glue and getting a rhythm there. They have three guys in the bullpen that you could count on in a playoff series. You need to have th- like seven, eight, nine. I mean, it looks like they have that. You know, they got Coonrod. They got Hector Neris. Man, I love him. I got to play with him in uh, winter ball. He's an, he's an incredible teammate, a really special guy. And um, Jose Alvarado's doing all right. So it's not a terrible bit bullpen, but I think they're they're kind of the fighting fills right now because I just I, I see a lot of dramatics, uh, a lot of dramatic games, a lot of comeback wins. That's the team that I'm I'm going to be kind of eyeing this next week as far as like surprising me. But back to just. Red Sox, I want to Grant Brisby deep dive on why the Red Sox continue to be as hot as they've been and at the top. You know, it starts with J.D. Martinez. And J.D. Martinez is, I think he was a rookie when you were on the Astros. I think he came up when you were there. Was he special back then? Or that was before he kind of got reformed into the slugger he was, like with the Tigers, and and became J.D. Martinez, capital J, capital D. He's really, really good. He struggled last year. But again, 
mutant season. If you look back, he's been a strong, strong hitter since 2014. Really strong wherever he goes. And then we're supposed to read too much into 54 games last year. He was 32, so a lot of people, oh, he's over 30. He had a bad year in 2020. Forget about it. He's just as good as ever. And when he's just as good as ever, he's an MVP candidate. Yeah, he was coming up. I never played with him. He was like in big league camp, and uh, he was definitely a big deal. And, and at the time, he was kind of like mimicking Albert Pujols' stance, and that was when Albert Pujols uh, was like the most unbelievable hitter, you know, one of the most unbelievable hitters I've ever seen. It was incredible being in that division when he was in his prime. Um, that's a whole nother topic of conversation. wonder what's going to go on there. But J.D. Martinez ha- like literally imitated him, and he the ball jumped off of J.D.'s bat in an incredible way. And so I know he got called up right when I got traded to the Phillies, and I had my eye on him, and I couldn't believe – I think he had like maybe one down year that everyone was talking about him. You know, when we were there, they're like, watch this guy, dude. This guy can really hit all of, because I came up in the Astros and I was close with all the minor league staff and everything, and they were high on J.D. Martinez. And then when he just randomly went to the Tigers, something he he figured out. Uh, I think it was working with Wallenbrock or Miggy Cabrera or something, but he started just hitting oppo bombs in Detroit like it was nothing. And I see him hitting homers, even in Boston, in some of the deep parts of that, of that park, because he's a right center field guy, and that's not a right-handed hitter, right center field ballpark. 1,047 OPS right now. Their whole squad is, is hitting. You know, Xander Bogarts, seven home runs, 972 OPS. And for those of the, who don't really know, so I look at OPS as like the main stat that tells me what you're doing, and it's basically your on-base percentage plus your slugging. So this is how many bases you're getting per at bat. And a really good OPS, if you're in the 800, it's a good solid, you know, hitter. If you're 850, you're kind of in like a, you know, borderline all-star. You're 900, you're definite all-star kind of thing. And they got JD Martinez, 1047 OPS. Xander Bogarts, the shortstop, 972. Rafael Devers, 937. That's three guys just absolutely crushing it. And then Alex Verdugo is doing pretty well as well. And their pitching's just kind of like middle of the pack. And the funny thing about those four guys is if there's no surprises there, it's not like, whoa, where'd Bogart's come from? Like, he's been good for a really long time. Like, oh, J.D. Martinez. It's like, no, he's making a lot of money to do exactly what he's doing. This is not a group that's surprising you. And if there's a part of the Red Sox that's not, you know, they're not getting a ton of production out of first base. That's the kind of stuff you can fix. You want to make sure that your key offensive contributors are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then you can sort of mix and match. And if you're winning, those wins are in the bank. You don't have to give them back. Like the Red Sox, they have a foundation, that core four of of the lineup that's going to, if they're healthy and they're hitting, that's going to go a long way and you can figure the rest out later. You don't want to be a team that's like banking on hitting in the playoffs. You go into a playoff series and you're facing the Red Sox. Who's the number one and number two, and who are you, you putting up against? You know, you, let's say you're facing the Yankees, which, you know, Red Sox, Yankees. You know, it's like, uh, here comes Cole, here comes, you know, like the, the Thunder. So, I mean, I know they're winning right now and stuff. I want to give them credit because they've been doing it for a while, but I want to have that, like, perennial pitcher coming in uh, that's going to shut somebody down. I mean, that's a really good point. And you've got uh, Uvaldi, who is, I mean, he's a, a cult hero there uh, because of what he did in the, the 2018 postseason. At the same time, I totally get what you're saying, because if you look at their five starters right now, you've got Uvaldi, you've got Pavetta, you've got Garrett Richards, Martin Perez, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. There's like a lot of quality there. 
But if you're going one, two, three in a short series, like an ALDS, it's not, you're not going to go like, ah, Pavetta, you know, you're not, you're happy to have them in 162 game season, doing the things that they're doing, eating the innings, giving your team a chance to win. But you're right. If you're going against the Yankees, but that kind of bleeds into the Giants have a similar situation in that they have a, a surprising starting rotation. But to a man, it's more like when you watch Gaussman, when you watch Alex Wood or Desclafani succeed, like you get it. The problem there is keeping them healthy. So do you prefer like a team like the Red Sox where you don't necessarily have to worry about the durability? You've, you've got reliable pitchers like like Rodriguez and Perez. Or are you taking like the home run swings like Alex Wood, keeping him healthy and, and Desclafani and, and asking him to bounce back? Which one's better over a full season? Typically, you want the people that have been there. Like a lot of times in the playoffs, it's experienced pitching. It's it's the veteran pitchers that know what they're doing. Generally speaking, these are the guys that are able to handle that moment. There are the special young talents that are coming up that are going to be those people that you know. Like I think of back to like Ventura for the Royals that was just throwing a hundred billion, and you know, young Degrom and stuff. Like when when these like obviously uh, the we lost Ventura and that's very sad. But it's either the crazy electric. Or the one that's that's trying to, but Wood and Descalfani, these guys are like on their eighth season, like you know, in that realm where you know if they're healthy and, and they're in the postseason, they're they're prime for that time. You know, they know they belong, they know they can do it. So it's a good question. But the uh, the next team that I wanted to hit on, and I think this is more of because we're, we're we're talking American League. Let's say the A's and the Red Sox. Let's play a an early a you know April Mayish uh, a, a May playoffs happening and the Red Sox and the A's are, are matching up and this is where I think the better question is do you take Eovaldi versus Bassett you know or or Manea who's having a really great season like let's dive into these A's because I know you didn't give them much credit and you were going hard on yourself but uh they continue to just pump yeah, you know, one of the things, like we talked about earlier, the, the run differential. So you look at the run differential, and it's very easy to be like, well, you know, the, the A's have it, still have a negative run differential. So can we really believe in them? That's really skewed toward those first six games. I don't know the exact numbers, but it, when they lost that first week of the season, they lost 8-1, to 9-1, to 9-2, to 10-3, to 5-1. to They were getting blown out. And then they started that streak, and they started building the wins. It's hard to dig out of that run differential. So I'm not looking at the A's have been outscored. I'm not sure if they're good. I'm looking at their last body of work. Everything after that first week. That first week still counts. At the same time, I think we've seen their true colors after that. I don't know that much about like Cole Irvin. Like I, I don't know the A's rotation inside out, but I do know I mean I I do know Chris Bassett. It's a strong, strong team. They're missing bats in a way that the Red Sox aren't missing bats. Like the Red Sox are more of like a, uh, uh, I'm not going to say pitch to contact, but, you know, they're relying on their defense just a little bit more. The A's are more of a traditional 2021 rotation where they're they're missing bats, they're limiting the walks, and that's kind of their game. So as of right now, I'll take the A's rotation for sure. But, you know, it's a good question. It, to your point, I don't think that they also could go up against the Yankees and just be like, all right, uh, I see your Garrett Cole and I'll match you with one Chris Bassett. Like, they don't have that kind of rotation either all right as we're discussing this and i'm really thinking about it because as i asked the question i didn't feel great about like my answer but what i'm going to look at if i'm really thinking about you know because there are young people that are this overpowering stuff and there are the veterans that typically really do well and shine in the postseason but it's the ones that can strike you out you want a strikeout pitcher in the postseason 
let's dive into this a little bit. Bassett starting pitcher right here. He's got 53 strikeouts, and then you look at the innings pitch, 48.1. So he's striking out at least a batter an inning. That tells me it's elite stuff, you know, because there is like wiggle room with getting lucky or you know soft contact. That would be another thing I would like to to look up if there's like a, a stat for like very soft contact. Um, the other one here, Manea has 43 strikeouts and 41 innings pitch. So that's looking pretty good. So let's go and compare that to the Red Sox. So what are the Red Sox looking at with their starters and strikeouts to innings pitched? If we're taking like their one and two. We just like a direct competition. Yeah, the Red Sox, I mean, they it's not like they are uh, incapable of getting strikeouts. Uh, you have Eovaldi, of course, is I think he has the lowest strikeout rate of all their starters. They're sitting right around league average. And I guess league average right now is almost a strikeout an inning. They're mostly like 8.2 per nine innings, 8.6, 8.6. Rodriguez, I think, is, is a strikeout per inning. So they're, you know, they're missing bats in a similar way, but they're also allowing more walks. Like Garrett Richards, he's allowing more walks than maybe you'd want to see. Uh, Martin Perez, I think he's got more command. Like he's not walking guys because he's wild. He's walking guys because that's more of his game. They're allowing more walks than the A's, at least in the rotation. So that's what would give me pause. You know, they're missing a few bats, but they're also allowing a few more base runners than you might like. Yeah, I mean, well, looking at Pavetta's stats, it's kind of uh, crazy. What What is he featuring? Because he's a 319 ERA. He's 5-0 right now, but he has 22 walks and 36 innings pitch and only 35 strikeouts. So there's something weird going on with his numbers or what, what he's throwing. Maybe he's throwing some soft contact, but 5-0 and with a 319 is pretty good. Maybe he's just wiggling out of jams. I don't know. I thought it'd be a fun little game to play to like to put that together, but it looks like the A's are striking more people out. Obviously, the Mets right now, they're leading the league in ERA. I need to find who's the team that's striking the most out right now. Team that is striking the most out. Are you talking in baseball or yeah, this in... Is just, uh, this is just me going down a rabbit hole of like trying to figure out who I would target if I was looking for the World Series champion right now. If I had to like, all right, Hunter, you got to pick the World Series champion right now. I want to Before we pick, I want to know the strikeouts, the ERA, uh, and the offense a little bit. Leaders for strikeouts throughout all of baseball. You got the Padres at 10.6 per nine innings. Uh, they're tied with the Angels. The Yankees, Brewers are right behind them. The White Sox. I mean, most teams like are the average. The league average is 9.2 strikeouts per nine innings. There's one, two, three, four, seven teams that are 10 and above, which is bananas to me. I mean, that's not how baseball always used to be. But the strikeout to walk ratio where you are striking batters out while also limiting the walks. It doesn't correlate perfectly with command, but it sure, you know, command and control, it certainly gives you an idea. The Yankees are at the top of the pops with that. They are striking out four batters for every one that they walk, which is bananas. The Mets are right behind them. And then you've got the Dodgers, Padres, White Sox. That's sort of like what your off-season power rankings might have looked like. Maybe not in that order, but Yankees, Mets, Dodgers, Padres, White Sox, they had a ton of buzz coming into the season. And it makes sense that they're the ones at the top of this list. Okay, okay. You know what's funny is I'm looking at the strikeouts right now, and Boston's actually sixth in strikeouts. Now, maybe they played more games. I guess I should do strikeouts per nine, huh? That's probably better. Yeah, strikeouts per nine, they're closer to the league average. They're like that, you know, and you've got some good teams close to the league average. You've got the Astros, the Giants, the Red Sox. They're close to the league average. Uh, A lot of what those teams are doing, like especially the Giants and the Red Sox, they're not allowing home runs. The Red Sox have one of the lowest, I think it's the second lowest home run rate in baseball. So that's a big part of their success right now. Wow. Very fascinating stuff. And I actually think I confused myself even more. 
like as I look at this, because like I'm looking at like ERA and then I'm going to strikeouts per nine. The Giants are like way down towards the bottom here in strikeouts per nine at eight point eight. But if you go to like ERA, they're towards the top, top five or six. So it's a confusing thing. But the Padres are in the tops in strikeouts per nine and ERA. That tells me that they got they have stuff over there. The Mets are towards the top with that. The White Sox, which we knew the White Sox had elite caliber starting pitching. Talk to me a little bit, Grant. Like who, if you are taking one team right now, and you had to pick, you had to pick it now because like, we had our first prediction of like, you know, I took the Braves. I still think they have a shot. They're 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 warming up for me a little bit. There's they haven't gotten completely going, but they're warming up. But who'd you take it the 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 first week, and who are you taking today? Are we talking the the NL East? No, we're talking or just World in general Series, World Series champion right now. Oh man, you're gonna get me in trouble because I still I am not ready to sell on the Dodgers. I know they're hovering around 500. I know their problems. I know they're scuffling with injuries. I'm so tethered to you can't just look at two months. You can't just look at a month and a half. Sample size, sample size. It's embedded in my brain, and and I don't want to take the Dodgers. So I will go White Sox because that's a team that you expected to charge into the season. They did charge into the season. Like they're not doing anything unexpected. So I'll take the White Sox, but I'm moving off of my preseason pick, the Dodgers, with reservations because I hate being a knee jerk analyst and going like, oh, wow, I've seen enough baseball now. You know, I've seen a month and a half of baseball. I definitely can pick the, the Dodgers. They're, they're a 500 team at best. I think that's bananas, but the White Sox have like nothing left to prove at this point. They just have to keep doing it. That's fair. That's a good, good statement. And I actually respect that because I'm the knee jerk analyst right now. That's like riding the wave <laughs> of the week. And I can do that because, you know, I'm now a fan. It's fun to be that knee jerk analyst. I guess my decision is going to be based off of what is DeGrom's injury and when is he coming back? Because I'm on the Mets right now. They, I'm looking at three starting pitchers in playoff baseball. If you can get to playoff baseball, first of all, getting there is different than winning there. But you get there and you're pumping out Jacob DeGrom, Marcus Stroman, Taiwan Walker, who are all just getting after it right now. I mean, obviously, DeGrom has 65 strikeouts and 40 innings pitched. Strowman has a 2.01 ERA, DeGrom 0.68, and Taiwan Walker 2.38. I love rolling in with three guys like that. Like, you got to win a series. You need three dudes that come out and are like, come and get it. And they got that. Familia with a 0.84, by the way. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. I'm going to throw a wild card in there. Noah Syndergaard. He's about to come back. You know, so like Brian in the chat just like remind, and like I was about to say, he took the words right out of my mouth. Noah Syndergaard's coming back. That guy, you know, he was in spring. He was throwing. He's a little light on the fastball. He's only at 95 right now, but he'll he'll ramp back up. Like he looks good. You know, the, the reports are good with him. He's about to start a rehab assignment. Once you pair Syndergaard and DeGrom's injuries a lot, you know, so it's not like it's a barking shoulder or something like that. Once you pair Syndergaard, whatever you can get from him with Stroman, with DeGrom, that's a freaky team if everything's going right. You get Nimmo back, you've got Conforto, Lindor's going to eventually start doing something. It's still a freaky team that we were expecting to be good. And then everyone go, oh, you know, oh, wow, you know, they had a rough April and I think they're going to be good. I'm diving into the Mets right now, and I'm getting more excited because I, I haven't like clearly <laughs> looked at this. But hold up, hold the phone, check out this bullpen. Edwin Diaz, he's your closer. He's got a three point one four. Okay, not the best, but not the worst. Like that's fine. Trevor May two point oh three. Miguel Castro two point seven seven. Yoris 
Familia, 0.84. Aaron Loop, 0.96. All with like 14, 13, 13, 10, and 9 innings pitched. These guys are pumping. 18 strikeouts, 18 strikeouts, 20 strikeouts. Wait, wait, wait. 20 strikeouts in 13 innings pitched. Miguel Castro. What the heck? That is the thunder. Buckle up. Bullpen. And you got Noah Syndergaard coming back. <laughs> and Francisco Lindor hasn't even gotten going. And I like their lineup, man. They got athletes. They got athletes everywhere. Pete Alonso, you know, the polar bear, he's exciting. I think this is going to be a fun team if the Mets can get in the postseason to root for and to watch. Because they, they got some personality. Man, the NL East is, is an exciting exciting division i like the teams over there yeah and i think that it's funny because for a while there everyone's going like what in the heck's going on in the nl east and it was so easy to to poke fun when everyone's under 500 it's not quite like that anymore (laughs) like they were supposed to have a real dogfight at the top i know you were big on the marlins i think the marlins have had a a real run of bad luck with injuries i was interested in the marlins because they had some young arms that i hadn't seen i was like i want to see what these guys have like how did they do so well last year uh, I thought they had just a whole bunch of starting pitching that was throwing like 100, and I like that. I think they're better than their record is. So, like, I think the Nationals, I mean, obviously they're scuffling. I don't think that they're like that t- the Tigers or the, you know, the the Rockies where you can just, like, write them off entirely when you have to play them for 18, 19 games a season. So the East is going to have a ton of good games, I think, throughout the whole rest of the year. You're going to have the, the head-to-head, the head-to-head headbutts with the Phillies and the Mets and the Braves and... I'm not picking a winner just yet. The Braves, I think, are, are playing below where they should be. I think they have too much talent to, to be under 500 like they are. But they're only one game under 500. That whole division is is just a battle royale for sure. Yeah, no, if I had to pick one, it would be the Mets for now. But I'm not going to look up at the end of September and any one of those three teams, Mets, Phillies, Braves, if they're leading the division by one game or five games, it's not going to surprise me. All four, all three of those teams have enough. You know, they've got enough to, to really kind of put some distance between them. It's just it's going to take a hot streak at some point from one of those teams. Do you think there's a more contested division than that division? It depends on, I, I think the, the NL West is definitely going to have some body blows. I really like the AL East, if you give the Rays more credit than I think people were giving them before. I know they traded Blake Snell, but they're still the, the fe- defending pennant winners. They're still a strong team. They're still a creative team, a smart team. You've got the Blue Jays. You've got the Yankees adding the Red Sox. If you're just going to tell me the Red Sox were going to, to play 500 ball, I would have put the the East as being one of the divisions to watch. But now you've got the Red Sox leading the way so far. And the Orioles aren't as bad as, like, they're almost a surprise team. I'm not saying that they're great. They're still four games under 500 at at the time of this recording. But they're not, like, Tigers level of being outscored by ability runs. They're okay. They're doing stuff. John Means is is giving reason for excitement. Matt Harvey is is pitching, uh, you know, well as a reclamation project. So they're... They're an interesting team and that just having interesting at the bottom and surprising at the top with three teams in the middle. That's like a a compelling ALE sandwich, I think. If you're just looking at the records, there's four of the five teams are above 500. So it's it's really good baseball, and they're feasting on the the AL Central. They got a couple of, of teams that are having a rough go at it. And by the way, a team that we haven't even said anything about because 
there's really not much story because they kind of dumped everything, but they're, they're still quietly 19 and 14 as the Cleveland Indians. Not to just, just like the merry-go-round of like looking at the interesting teams and, and how things are playing out this year. This year, to me, is like, you know, the Mario Kart rainbow road of, of good times, like following the flow <laughs> of this team, of the season. Like, because there's just so many ways that it could go and it's so tight. I wish that it could be like the eight teams in each division playoffs because I love, first of all, playoff baseball. And I love more teams being in it for longer, but they still are really jumbled and, and like there aren't definitive like things going on right now. To me, the most definitive things that I think are going to happen is I do think the Cardinals in the Central. I really like that. I think that I love the A's in the West and the White Sox and, and the AL Central. So those three, I think, are the most definitive. Now, like the Indians are, are tied up there with the White Sox, but I just think the White Sox are really good. I think the A's are really good, and I think the Cardinals are extraordinary, and they're just going to keep getting better. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. All right, I'm going to take your analogy and run with it, and I'm going to put you on the spot. It's Rainbow Road. We have six first-place teams. We have the Red Sox. We have the White Sox. We have the A's, the Mets. We have the Cardinals, the Giants. Which one's going to get hit by the blue shell? Which one has the blue shell coming for them to knock them out of first place? Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) You know what? Like... I can't. I, I'm, you can't. Do <laughs> it's it's tricky. It's tricky. I don't. Well, but you know what? Like you'll fall on the sword. All right. Who's got the blue? Who's got the blue shell? Yeah, I gotta go with the Red Sox. I know we ignored them last. I know we ignored them last week, and I know we talked him up early on. I just think there's too much talent behind them. Where you've got the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Rays. One of those teams, you know, maybe the Yankees. The Yankees are playing so much better. One of those teams is gonna go, but one of those teams is gonna get the the mushroom. You know, the the golden mushroom and just start going boom, 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 and just pound it on it. The Yankees are yeah, our fuego right now. Okay, okay, that's fair. We're definitely biased because like if you were if you were objectively looking at this. But I don't think they're going to get hit by the blue shell. I think they're going to take off. Like, if I was looking at this objectively, I would say I'm most surprised by the Giants being ahead of the Dodgers and the Padres, and especially with the Padres pitching and and all of their stuff. And, you know, obviously no one expected this from the Dodgers, and you're still taking them as the World Series favorite. Like, that would be who I would say. But I actually really believe in my heart of hearts the Giants are going to continue to crush. And I think they have a lot of weapons and they have a lot of depth and they can succeed in many ways. And they're doing really, really cool things with the whole line shift. 
this was another fun conversation was talking about the runner on second and extra innings and how the line shift is more usable and, and makes more sense because the game couldn't isn't necessarily going to go 13 14 innings it's going to be shorter games so like taking advantage of of the of the matchups as soon as possible and the fact that like pitchers have to stay in for three batters so i think they're doing some really cool things with the line change i think that they're like kind of ahead of the game with like positioning with strategy and how they built their team to work and and it keeps people healthier longer and focused on just like dialing in on just dominating lefties or dominating righties I'm in a a funny position with the Giants because I've for decades have trained myself to be cynical about them, to be like the anti-homer. You know, it's too easy for me to charge in and go, here's where the Giants are great. So I'm always like, okay, let me pop the hood and see where their problems actually are. And when you get to the batted ball data, they're allowing the weakest contact in baseball, their pitching staff. There's a stat called sweet spot percentage. They lead all of baseball, all 30 teams in sweet spot percentage. Batters are having a tough time barreling them up. When it comes to barrels per plate appearance, they're second in baseball. So they're limiting the contact on the pitching side. And then you say, well, you know, okay, then you look at the offense and the offense is hitting the ball hard. The offense is barreling the ball up. The offense is finding the sweet spot. So you have a team that's hitting the ball hard while preventing hard contact. And so it makes me go, gosh, there's something there. Well, that's what you're trying to do. When you're a pitcher, you're trying to miss bats and you're trying to allow weak contact. When you're a hitter, you want to make the best contact. And that's what the Giants are doing. So I can't be my traditional, cynical, like anti-homer self. There's something going on under the hood. Yes. And that gets me very excited because I got to watch both games in, in their entirety against a very hot Texas Rangers team that their offense was extraordinarily hot coming into this series. I think they were like, they'd won seven of their last nine, scoring six plus runs per game. And the two games, they held them to like three runs total. And just the pitching staff, the preparation, the way that they were attacking the hitters uh, was pretty phenomenal. Wood is having an incredible season. Safe to say, maybe one of the most surprising, if we're going into the surprises of the NL, is Wood's complete dominance. And I know he's a great pitcher, but watching him work, he works quick. He's like the third fastest pitcher, and he knows what he's doing. It's like if a guy's not swinging first pitch, he just pumps a heater right down the middle. And then he just has this – he added this slider. Like I always thought of him as like decent slider, you know, sneaky fastball, really good at locating it in with a great changeup. But his slider is like off the plate by – a long ways and they're and, and it's got to be deceptive because they're swinging at balls that are about to hit him in the foot so he's he's nasty and i like what you're saying is like i like soft contact like that was besides strikeouts if i don't know how to find the stat of soft contact and if they're winning the soft contact hard contact game you're gonna win a lot of games so that is something that is tangible but you, you can't go and like name the superstars there. I mean, obviously you can name Buster and hitting 400, but if you don't look at OPS, you're like, oh, the Giants aren't hitting. But if you look at OPS, they're having strong season and that's not a hitter's ballpark. Now, this brings up a good point. You you mentioned Alex Wood and I just, I'm fascinated by the pitch, the back foot slider. As a right-handed batter, what is so difficult about that back foot slider? Like when a guy's got it going, uh, you know, the, the classic is Randy Johnson or, you know, back in the day, Steve Carlton. But when a guy's got from the left side, if he's throwing you a back foot slider, what's making that so hard to to barrel up? Okay, so I'll say that until I learned the whole swing mechanic, the back foot slider was very tough to hit because you're always kind of, I was always kind of taught to swing down and inside the baseball. And 
when you take your barrel that direction or if you swing at it like it's going to be where it is and no one ever was saying swing up or or uppercut and the barrel path of a natural swing just absolutely whiffs that pitch it's extraordinarily hard to hit with that barrel path now if you anticipate and you set a trap and you take like almost imagine like like instead of swinging a baseball bat swinging it like a golf club and you get your barrel to go through the zone like a golf like a golf swing you actually have a crazy high percentage to crush that ball or even if it does miss you because it's like the direction of the ball is coming down and into you. So if your barrel comes through kind of like a golf swing, your barrel is literally on plane with that pitch for a long time. But let's say that he throws like a high heater and you take the golf swing well then you're or or just an uh, an inside heater you're going to be kind of in a caught in a tough place to hit like an up and in heater so that's kind of the thing is just matching your barrel and the old classic way of swinging down and inside and through the baseball you're just going to whiff it so you have to like anticipate in golf it's the same with the sinker you got to do the same thing because you think of a right hand sinker it's moving down and in Get your golf swing barrel through there, and if you hit it, it's going to be extra bases, and if it beats you, you're probably going to hit a low-line drive to right, which is a high percentage hit. So it's it's really a, a barrel thing and like guessing the right pitch, but he obviously has something that's super sneaky because a lot of hitters know this, and he's still getting a lot of outs with it. That is a fantastic explanation. I'm glad I asked that question. Now, are you ready for an Ask Hunter? I am ready for an Ask Hunter. All right. We have a couple Ask Hunters. I have a feeling you're going to go bananas on this first one and have things to talk about. So we have Adam Gillanders who asked for your top five favorite coffee shops. And this is the baseball barista. You are a coffee man. Uh, you you like to, to nerd out on coffee in the best possible sense. So you've done a lot of traveling. I'm pretty sure you have some coffee shops around this country of ours. This is a great question. Thank you so much. Who was this? Did you say it was this Adam? This is Adam. Adam Glanders. Adam Glanders, thank you for this great question, and I'm very excited to answer it. So one of the coolest things is like my last seven years when I really got into coffee is, you know what, I'm going to take off and like check out all of the coffee in these, in these cities in the morning. It was like my day routine, and I wanted to do this for all the people that love to go and visit all the different stadiums. So I need to go and remember all of the, because I would do the research as I was going, and then even with the Rangers, it was super fun, where they would send out a text thread of like, you know, the schedule or whatever, and they started adding like my coffee recommendations to it, because people were wanting to go, and then we'd all kind of see each other at the coffee shop and get really caffeinated and get get hyped for the game. So I'm going to give you at least my top two for sure that I know that I know that I know. Like these are my, oh my gosh, full Best, like crazy breakfast and elite coffee, which is the rare, that's like the unicorn of coffee shops is to add the breakfast with it and special breakfast. So very excited. If you're in Arizona, this one's good because you can do it in spring training. This one's good because obviously it's Arizona and there's just like, you can go see any team in spring training. You have to write this down. You have to go to Berdina's, B-E-R-D, oh gosh, I-N-A, I think, Berdina, B-E-R-D-I-N-A. I think it's E-N-A. ENA, Berdina, yeah, yeah, Berdinas. They have just amazing coffee, and every food item that you get there is spectacular. They're just incredible. So, really small shop. I think that they're expanding because I became friends with them. I went there so much during spring training. That's number one. Number two is actually in Washington, and I'm sure if you go either to Baltimore to watch the Orioles or the Nationals, you could hit this place up. And I found this place. It took me a long time in Washington. I went to a lot of different coffee shops, and I kept missing. I kept missing and not being like – I was like, oh, man, Washington's tough. 
I can't find a good breakfast. That's kind of how I rated like the excitement of the cities is how good the breakfast and coffee was. Finally, I was just like went to this place and I, I don't know, I judged it by the name a little bit and no one was really there when I first got there and I wasn't sure and it didn't have many ratings, but it was, it's called a baked joint. You know, I wasn't really wanting to go to a bake shop. I was just wanting good coffee and a decent breakfast. They had the best breakfast sandwich I've ever had. Like Berdina's has the best breakfast burrito I've ever had. A bake joint has the best breakfast sandwich and their espresso and their coffees are absolutely fire. So those are, those are top two. And like, I can get into this. This is the baseball barista. I love coffee and I love baseball. And, uh, so if you're going to Baltimore or the nationals, it's worth a trip. And the second time I went there, there was like a line out the door at a bake joint a year later. Like I, it took, it was like a 30 minute wait to order. It was crazy. I am a creature of convenience, so when I am, uh, you know, I'm traveling and I'm working, I'm generally going to what's close. I'm not searching out the coffee shops as much as I should be. So I'll throw in, this is an ask grant, but I'll throw in an ask grant. Timeless Coffee here in the Bay Area. They're in East Bay. They're in Piedmont. I think they have two locations. Timeless Coffee, the reason I love, their coffee's great. You know, they roast their own beans. They have a mail order delivery service that I get their beans delivered to me. But I like them because my daughter's allergic to eggs. And they have a vegan bakery that is just, and vegan breakfast, I mean, vegan French toast, vegan omelets, which sounds strange, but everything they do vegan is fantastic. We got a vegan cake for her birthday and it's it's just as good as a regular cake. Everything they do is great. So I'll throw in timeless coffee. But when I'm on the road, I'm just going like, ah, what's here? What's here? I need to write. I need to write. So I, I'm not the best person to ask for that. It's an event. It's how I feel the pulse of the city is through the coffee shops. It's my experience and I love it and I enjoy it. And I've been to so many great ones, but those are the two unicorns that have the full breakfast coffee combo. Timeless coffee. I got to go check that out. If I was picking San Francisco, I'm going with St. Frank's. They have tremendous coffee. They have a couple locations. And as a baseball fan, like if I'm, if I'm saying three parks you have to go to, or maybe I'm going to go four. Like San Francisco, obviously, you got to come to Oracle Park. Boston, you got to go to. The Cubs, you got to go to. And then we'll just say those for now. Like those are like have to, have to go to. There's a lot of great ones, but I think those are like, you know, the Cubs and the and the Red Sox are super old. And, and, and San Francisco is just like one of the most beautiful. But there's a ton of great ones. Yeah, I'm easy with ballparks. I generally like every ballpark. There's like, I'm not even going to name the ballpark. They all have uniqueness. Yeah, like I even I wrote a love letter to the Oakland Coliseum. Like I know that's a tough place to play. I know it's run down a little bit, but there's a lot of cool stuff that goes there from the fans to the food trucks. But I got to hook you up with my old boss, Rob Nyer, because Rob Nyer, he keeps a detailed notebook of his coffee shops and he grades them based on ambiance, based on like service, based on the music that they're playing. And he keeps like this real detailed notebook of everywhere he goes. And he likes to nerd out on the coffee shop experience. So I'll, I'll get I'll get him to copy some of those pages and see if you guys are on the, uh, the same page. I need a copy and paste uh, of that. That would be great. There was one I went to in Milwaukee that was actually like incredible. I, I think they changed their name. It was called Kickapoo. But I think they changed their name, and I wish I knew the name of it. But anyway, either either way, it's been, like, so cool getting to do, like, talk coffee, talk baseball. Is there any more Ask Hunters out there, by the way? We'll do one more because we're running short on time. But this could be a simple one. This is from Shivga, S-H-I-V-G-A. If you didn't make it in baseball, what do you think you would have done for a living? Hopefully been a professional video gamer. Or uh, I, this wasn't like something that I thought was possible until now. Uh, so, uh, but now I know it's possible. So if I didn't make it in baseball, I wish I made it in, in, in a professional Magic the Gathering player or a professional video game player. 
That's good. That's good. Do you have the chops for professional Magic the Gathering player? Like, how good are you? I don't know that. I don't know this game. So, like, can you hold your own against some of the heavyweights? Yeah, I can hold my own. Am I as good as as the heavyweights or the best in the world? Not yet, but I will say that I succeeded in a tournament this weekend that was built for you to lose in, like lose money or lose gems, so to speak. I actually made gems, so I made money this weekend against the best of the best. So, like, I, I had a good weekend. So I'm I'm there. I wouldn't say that I'm like as good as like like if you're talking like some of the crazy good ones but i can compete with them and i mean it still is a card game and there's variants but there's crazy amount of skill and like luis scott vargas and you know some of these guys are just absolutely incredible to watch and um i'm in love with the game and i'm having a blast and you know like right now i think i'm like ranked 500 and something and limited so i'm up there that impresses me. That impresses me, even though I don't know the the sport. To be ranked 500 in a sport that's got, or a game that's got that much interest in it, that's no joke. That's no joke. Okay. I'll keep my eye on you. All right. This has been episode seven of the Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week and uh, we'll talk baseball. So thanks so much for listening. I love coffee! <laughs>